This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a fantastic Easter weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, April the 19th. And our top story today is that armed police have been called to a street in Dartford following reports of a man with weapons. At Kent Online today, you can see pictures of officers and patrol cars in Berkeley Crescent just after half seven last night. Well, the podcast has been told a 36-year-old man was arrested and two air weapons recovered from the scene. Investigations are continuing. Elsewhere today, a hunter who posed next to a dead boar and bragged about his dog killing a deer faces going to prison. Mark Bond, who's from Westwood Road in the Loos area of Maidstone, has been in court and Lucy's got the details for the podcast. Well, the 38-year-old denied a total of five offences, which were alleged to have happened in September and October 2018. Maidstone Magistrates Court was shown videos and photos found on WhatsApp during an investigation by the RSPCA. One was of Bond posing with a dead boar. It was claimed he'd stabbed the animal after setting dogs on it, but that was denied, with Bond claiming the animal had been shot on land with the permission of the owner. Other images showed a dog said to belong to Bond, with a dead badger. He denied the animal was his. So after a two-day trial, Bond was cleared of stabbing a boar and killing a badger and deer, but found guilty of killing a fallow deer and causing unnecessary suffering to one of his dogs. He'll be sentenced after a report's been put together, but has been warned he could face jail or a community order, as well as being banned from owning dogs. In the meantime, he's been given unconditional bail. Thanks, Lucy. Some stories you might have missed from over the weekend and 14 Teenagers have appeared in court charged with manslaughter following the death of a man in Chatham. The body of 42-year-old Dale Simmons was discovered after he reportedly fell from a height in Chalkpit Hill last Wednesday night. Where two 16-year-old boys, another who's 17 and an 18-year-old man, have been remanded in custody and are due at Crown Court next month. Two men have been arrested after armed police were called to Folkestone Town Centre. A man was reportedly seen with a possible gun in his pocket yesterday evening, Officers have confirmed they seized an imitation firearm and inquiries are ongoing. Kent Online News. Now, as Operation Brock continues on the M20 for a third week, the government's being urged to come up with a better solution to prevent gridlock in Kent. Lorries have been parking up on the coastbound carriageway as they wait to cross the channel since the start of the month. Ferry capacity remains reduced with P&O ships still unable to sail after they failed safety inspections. Roger Goff is the leader of the county council and he's been speaking to our political editor Paul Francis. Well we have long made the argument to government for a series of much bigger changes um, and that includes highway improvements, it includes um, uh, support for in relation to lorry parks, I think there's also a question of where and in what stage vehicles are held outside Kent. Um, We have been making that case to government for quite some time. I think Operation Brock can clearly only do what it can do. And if you have a fundamental problem... Well, I think... It's supposed to be a contra flow, isn't there, along the M20? Well, it's it's moved to a different phase at this stage where it is... um, where clearly you have something that is much more... much closer to what was Operation Stack. Um, I don't think anybody would pretend that we are satisfied with that as a situation. What I would say is that so long as you have a situation where 
a lot more vehicles are coming into the county than are able to get out at the other end uh, through the ferries and through Eurotunnel, um, then you will have this problem. So it is frankly a much bigger issue than the Kent Resilience Forum can simply solve on its own. We've been making this case to government for a very long time. We will continue to do so and indeed accelerate it given the experience that the county's had. If a landowner came up to you and said, I've got a piece of land in Kent that you can use as lorry park, would you turn it down? Uh, well, it's not, of course, for us at the moment. We are not the planning authority on those things, so it is not for us to, uh, to you know, either turn it down or take it up. We have sought to encourage uh, proposals along this kind because we do believe that uh, lorry parks can be a part, not the whole of, but a part of the solution. Uh, now, what we do believe needs to, be, needs to take place is that locally in Kent, and with national government to take a, an organised approach to this uh, when it will embrace highways improvements, it will embrace lorry parks, it will embrace other issues too to crack this problem because the current piecemeal approach clearly doesn't work and I would say that those trying to, working actually extremely hard on things like Operation Brock um, are doing the very best they can within what is fundamentally a flawed situation. Do you think, you, know, you as a councillor, think well, again, that's something which government has so far chosen not to do. Um, it could at some point be arguably part of the solution, though I think if you look at the past, uh, look at December 2020 when the French closed their borders, Manston was a vital part of the answer then, 4,000 places which we now don't have. There are challenges, particularly about the roads that take you down from Manston into Dover uh, and how that works. So I think uh, there is no one magic bullet, uh, but I think we do need to look at a range of options. And that includes things that we can use quite quickly, because some of the solutions will take longer. Our big fear is there are probably half a dozen other points of pressure coming on the county during the course of this year and we want to do our utmost to ensure that we do not repeat what we've seen in these last couple of weeks. Well, we mentioned P&O there, and it's now more than a month since they sacked almost 800 staff without notice. They replaced them with cheaper agency workers, leading to calls for the chief executive to stand down. Today, a protest has been taking place in Dover. And next week, a recruitment fair is being held in the town to try and find jobs for those left without work. Major employers, including DFDS, the Port of Dover, and Border Force will be at the event at St Mary's Parish Centre on Wednesday. Elsewhere today, drivers are being warned about major roadworks on the M2 from next month. The 12-mile stretch between junctions 5 for Sittingbourne and 7 for Brentley Corner will be shut across six weekends in May and July. It's so bridge repairs can be carried out and also for work to be done on the new £92 million Stockbreed roundabout flyover. Elsewhere, roadworks to create a new slip road coming off the Medway City estate are yet to be completed despite a promise they'd be finished last week. The council there has apologised but say it'll reopen in the coming days. It's hoped it'll ease congestion for drivers during peak times. Speed restrictions and lane closures through the Medway Tunnel have now come to an end though. And some slightly better travel news. You might be able to get cheaper train tickets over the next six weeks. Southeastern are taking part in the Great British Rail Sale with certain fares between London, 
Margate, Canterbury, Whitstable and Gillingham up to half price. The government's hoping it'll help with the cost of living crisis. Transport Secretary Grant Shapps says the programme is the first of its kind. We're obviously very keen to see how it goes and I don't rule out doing other things in the future. I think we'll find a lot of people are perhaps returning to the railway not having been using it for quite some time and, and I think people will be pleased to be able to take advantage of that. There is some criticism though as it only applies to off-peak fares so won't benefit commuters. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A person's been taken to hospital after a caravan was destroyed in a fire near Folkestone. Two other vehicles were also damaged on the blaze on Coach Road yesterday evening. It's not clear yet how it started. A head teachers paid tribute to a 12-year-old boy who was found dead at the bottom of cliffs in Dover. Matty Earp, who was from the Pinner area of London, was walking with his mum near Swingate when he disappeared at the start of the Easter holidays on his birthday. The head of ACS International School Hillingdon has described him as an utterly delightful child. The owner of a wine bar in Rochester fears he was the victim of a vendetta over noise complaints, which have now been withdrawn. You may remember on a previous podcast, we told you it's the second time in six years that City Wall on the High Street has been threatened with closure after being issued with a noise abatement order. Well, owner Sanjay Raval has been chatting to Ish and is incredibly relieved it's all over. It's the second, if you like, breach in six years, which is what it is. But yeah, it was. It was a shock. It was, you know, here we go again. It's the cost factor. It's employing noise engineers, specialists, solicitors, etc., etc. So my bills so far are over 3,000, regardless of the fact that we're not going to court. But obviously we've saved on court fees and we've saved on a potential fine. I'm guessing you still don't have any sense of who uh, made the complaint? No, the resident in particular on this particular complaint has decided to stay anonymous. So we couldn't go and measure the noise from his flat or her flat um, to get an accurate sort of understanding of the problem. So we've had to work around it and we don't know exactly who the resident is, but we've gone to various locations that have made complaints previously to try and address the problem. So in a way, we've done it a little bit blind, but we've covered all bases as much as we can with the council present um, whilst we're doing all of this. Obviously, people have a right to complain. They've gone through, you know, proper channels to to make that complaint. But would you have appreciated if someone, that individual, whoever it was, came to you and said, "Um, I have this issue with you, as opposed to going away, you know, and having to fork out money to challenge it and so on and obviously you've won in the end so it seems for them it wasn't a necessary move it's a it's a hard move all round one for residents to feel that they can come and talk to us i do understand their their reservations um also to have noise engineers on site at the time so it's not something that can be easily addressed immediately yes we can turn the volume down straight away if it is being a nuisance um, however, the formal tests and everything have to take time, be planned and be witnessed. There's no real will towards any of the residents in, in Rochester High Street at all. It never has been. I mean, we totally understand they have a right to live there. They have a right to peace and quiet. They have a right to enjoy their lives. They have a right to enjoy their homes. Ain't like we all do in our homes. And, we, you know, we, we all live where we choose to live for that reason. And we we deal with what we have. I live near a school and I understand in the mornings it's difficult to park or get off your drive. 
but it is what it is. It's life. Latest figures show the number of people in hospital with coronavirus in Kent has more than doubled in the space of a month. 456 patients had COVID last Tuesday, which is the highest number since February last year. There are calls for social distancing and masks to be reintroduced to ease the pressure on health services. Kent Online reports. It may well have been an anxious day for you as more than 17,000 children across Kent are finding out today which primary school they'll be going to in September. Emails are being sent to parents and 90% will get their first choice. But those who don't may want to appeal. Graham Jones is from Maidstone-based law firm Whitehead Moncton and has been speaking to Jamie. Because the guiding principle is parental choice and you can select which primary school you'd like your child to go to and you, you, you put a list together. Unfortunately, due to um, a limited number of places, you may not get your first, second or sometimes any of your choices. And what can parents do? What are the options if they're unhappy? I'm, I'm afraid the news is not as encouraging as it is for secondary school places. The main reason parents don't get their first choice of primary school is for oversubscription criteria, And that comes down to parents tend to find out what the best schools are and then everybody applies for the best school. Therefore, if a school is oversubscribed, they have to go through their admission criteria as to which pupils will be allowed to go to the school. And schools publish their own admission criteria as they have to be um, made available online. And there'll be things such as distance from um, the distance you live from the school, whether you have siblings in the school. And therefore, more remote parents may not get their choice for that reason. And there is, of course, an option to appeal. How successful is that usually and what is the process behind that? Um, Last year, only 16% of appeals, I think just over 16% were successful nationally. And whereas, again, referring back to secretary appeals, you can sort of put a story together as to why that school should want your child to go there, that those criteria don't, really apply at primary level Um, you have to show either that the admission arrangements were unlawful um, the admission arrangements weren't correctly and impartially applied or the decision to refuse admission wasn't reasonable now if the school is full that is a reasonable uh, reasonable reason to refuse admission. A luxury development overlooking Faversham Creek is said to be catching the eye of property hunters from London. Ten four-bedroom homes are being built at Abbey Wharf, with the first plan to be finished next month. The townhouses on the site could sell for as much as £850,000. You can see what they look like by heading to Kent Online. A 17th century pub near Faversham is going to be sold. The George and New Territories in Tenham doubles up as a Chinese takeaway. It failed to sell at auction for more than half a million pounds, but the owners say they're determined to find someone to buy it. And finally today, an 11-year-old Ukrainian refugee has been celebrated by fans at Gillingham's Priestfield Stadium. Thank you to Gillingham Football Club and the supporters. You have all been very kind to me. Daniel Lysak had the chance to meet the players before walking the team out onto the pitch for their game with Fleetwood Town yesterday. He and his mum, who fled Lviv, and now staying with Malcolm Bell's family in Folkestone, thanks to the Homes for Ukraine scheme. And Malcolm has been telling us why he wanted to help. My wife originates from Ukraine, um, so we have quite a, um, a strong bond 
with the country. Uh, I've visited many times myself in the past. Um, and we, we do some humanitarian work down in Folkestone um, with Big Jigs. There's a toy company that have sent now, I think, 10 or 11 lorries across. Uh, and Chambers, uh, the, the, the bar down there with Chris, and uh, they've done a lot of work. And, and I think we've coordinated some things with a lot of people. And there's a good uh, Ukrainian community down there. Um, it, it was a no-brainer. When, when the Ukraine for Homes scheme came up, uh, or Homes for Ukraine uh, came up, it just made perfect sense to us, you know, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of people have said well done to me, but really there's, I think there's something like 200,000 people have come forward to offer their homes up. It's well done to everybody, um, the support they've shown uh, the Ukrainian people. Um, yeah, they can, I think the sense is that Ukrainian people are fighting for us, you know, and it's the only thing we can do to give back and look after their, their wives and their children while they're there fighting. I think the governments are, are doing a, a good job, especially our government. I think they've done well for Ukraine so far. Um, there's a lot more can be done. Um, yeah, people, people are doing their best. People are putting their hands in their pockets, they're donating, they're sending best wishes, they're supporting. Um, our experience is just a bond and a warmth. One of the comments Daniel made to me after the second day uh, was the fact that it was better to hear the sound of seagulls than it was to hear the sound of sirens and the threat that they caused. As soon as a haunting siren goes off, you have to protect yourself. You don't know what's going to come. And uh, he lived through that for a good five, six weeks. Uh, and they've been wanting to get out of the country. Um, and of course the scheme itself uh, wasn't particularly slow, but it wasn't fast uh, in as much as to get them out. But once the scheme came through, Daniel was, and his mum were able to get away from that fear. Um, albeit that they left behind family who are still going through that, um, which is traumatic for them. Kent Online Sports. Football and it was a frustrating Easter weekend for Gillingham as their fight to stay in League One continues. They picked up just two points from a possible six. An away game at Cheltenham Town ended in a two-all draw on Good Friday, while yesterday's visit by Fleetwood Town to Priestfield ended goalless. Manager Neil Harris spoke to us after the final whistle. We deserve to win the game. There's only one team trying to win the game. Um, for me, the weekend's been a bit missed opportunity for us not, not to pick up more points than the two we got. Um, first half an hour, we, we weren't good enough. You know, I've got to be honest, disappointed my team in the first half hour. Um, looked like we played the occasion, we looked very nervy, uh, misplaced passes, miscontrolled the ball. Then after that, the, the real chance, best chance of the game that felt to Charlie Kelman six yards out. Um, I think that really settled us down. Um, we really got the fans behind us, really um, you know, really got into good areas of the pitch, created chances, and, and, and ultimately we did enough to win the game. And when we gave them something to get behind us about, they, they, they were with us. Um, you know, they come because the team's massively improved and they wanted to come come, come see their group um, for half an hour. We looked edgy. Um, I've got a lot of inexperienced players. Um, got a lot of players I thought for half an hour didn't handle the magnitude of the game or, or the fan base, which for me is only 8,000. You know, if the players want to go on to bigger and better things, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to handle that much better. Um, but after the first 30 minutes, there was only one team trying to win the game, and that was us. I, I can't keep sugarcoating the players. We should have won the game. We should play better than that and win the game. So I've told them that direct. Um, if you said to me two and a half months ago that we would be at the relegation zone, two games to go, two games for us to go, and picked up 21 points, um, I'd have been absolutely delighted and buzzing. Um, but I want the team to play better than that and I expect us to win that game. 
We need to make more chances at home. We can't just rely on set plays um, or, or at the moment a magic from someone. We have to be better. And you know, certainly there's not a lot I can control since the 1st of February regarding that. Um, you know, the moment we lost Danny Lloyd, it was a big blow to us at the top end of the pitch. Um, credit to my players for finding ways to score goals and win games. And that's what we have to do between now and the end of the season. We have to win another game. We can go back over loads of opportunities we've had, especially at the rain end, from within the 12 yards and we've not taken opportunities. So the players have to take responsibility. Um, I'm disappointed, you can tell in my tone, but I'm a little bit agitated that we've not won the game today, and I'd say the players need to have a better quality. I'm agitated that we didn't win the game at Cheltenham because we gave two really poor goals away by us. But we are what we are, and we've got what we got, and what we have to do now is make sure uh, we recruit. The players um, take time now to, to, to re-energise, and we have to make sure that over the next few days in the training ground that we're ready to go for Portsmouth because it's another tough issue. We don't fear going to Portsmouth. No, my team won't fear going anywhere. Um, but we are what we are. Um, we want to be a, a physical, horrible, genuine team to play against. No team should want to play against my teams. Yeah. Um, you know, so we take take that solace and that confidence going into next week. And I just said to the players, I think with a little bit more belief, we may be winning that game. The Jills remain just a point above the relegation zone with only two games of the season left. They travelled to take on Portsmouth on Saturday before ending with a match at home to promotion, chasing Rotherham United the following weekend. Some big news in cricket from the weekend and former Kent captain Rob Key has been appointed as the new managing director of the England men's team. He becomes a permanent successor to Ashley Giles, who was sacked following the dismal 4-0 defeat to Australia in the Ashes. Well, Kent coach Matt Walker has given him his full backing, says he has an incredibly sharp cricket brain and with his commentating, we know what a great eye he's got on the game and how his opinion is well regarded. Well, on the pitch itself, Kent lost their first home game of the new season. Lancashire beat them by 10 wickets in the county championship despite Ben Compton hitting two centuries. Kent welcome Hampshire to Canterbury in their next match from Thursday. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.